I'm Josh Cooperman, and this is another episode of Convo by Design recorded in the Living Kitchen Studio. Genevieve Truesdale is the founder and principal designer at Circa Genevieve, her Los Angeles-based design firm. And I hadn't met Genevieve before this chat, but I was aware of her work and a fan. Genevieve was born and raised in Louisiana, and her southern roots are always present in her work and her philosophy behind the work. When I host these conversations, while I do a lot of research, I don't come in with a list of questions. I like to go into these conversations with a strong understanding about the work and about the creative behind the work, but I also like to focus on the responses to questions and shift the conversation based on that. I tell you this because my conversation with Genevieve took a really interesting turn. Genevieve received mentorship working under two world-class designers, Timothy Corrigan and Michael Berman. I think you will find this part of the interview captivating. She details how this changed the course of her career trajectory. This led to a follow-up conversation that I had with both Michael and Timothy and Genevieve herself. All three will be joining me for a keynote panel at the West Edge Design Fair in October to talk about this very topic, about mentorship and learning from from other masters in design and architecture and how that gives you an opportunity to learn what you like in an office, to learn what you don't like in an office, and to figure out in a semi-safe environment how to be the creative designer or architect that you want to be. Anyway, it was really cool, and I loved this conversation. And by the way, I, I might as well mention it here, Convo by Design will be producing all of the panels, keynotes, and conversations from the 2019 West Edge Design Fair that takes place at Barker Hanger in Santa Monica, uh, October 24th through the 27th. If you don't have tickets yet, make sure you do. Go to westedgedesignfair.com and make sure that you catch all of the conversations we have. They're going to be amazing, and I, I'm really excited to present this. So please make sure you do that. And I hope you enjoy this. This is Circa Genevieve's Genevieve Truesdale, a request before we get going. If not already, please subscribe to the show. So every episode of the podcast is sent as soon as they're published. You can find a subscription button everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. So just hit it. And uh, then you can listen to the show in the car, at the gym, on a walk, at the office, or on a job site, which is great. All right. Here's Genevieve. Convo by Design is presented by Snyder Diamond. Their unwavering commitment to provide designers and architects with the tools to help create the kitchen and bath of dreams for their clients is unmatched. Why? Well, you have amazing service, for one, and world-class products that help make homeowners remarkable in the kitchen. And with those two things combined, you just, you get an unmistakably amazing shopping experience. And you find products that are game changers like those from Sub-Zero, Wolf, and Cove. Sub-Zero's refrigeration provides so many options with regards to finish, configuration, and width that you will find the right product for just about any space you can design. If not familiar with the Pro Series already, you must see this. Glass front or solid, side by side or over under with options from 36 inches to 48 inches. It's exquisite and you're going to love it. Pair that with Wolf 
and their warming drawers for both custom look and state-of-the-art design and functionality. This is function with flair and flexibility. And if that wasn't enough, Cove dishwashers offer that sub-zero wolf quality, style, and technology for a kitchen suite of products that just they work seamlessly together. What could be better than that, you might ask? Well, through the Grand Kitchen event, your clients can receive three additional years of protection uh, with a qualified kitchen appliance package. Details and conditions apply, so find out more by visiting any of the three Los Angeles area Snyder Diamond locations and visit their Pasadena or Santa Monica showrooms to see the all-new, amazing, and redesigned living kitchen. The first thing I always like to talk about are roots and where you came from. Mm-hmm. And I love that when we were talking before, we were talking about Louisiana, because that's where you came from. Mm-hmm. But you said you said something that I found really interesting, that it wasn't conducive, that part of the country wasn't conducive to interior design. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Well, in the sense that um, after living in LA for so long, you, you, the world is at your fingertips, and you have the design center, and you just have so many lifelines to other parts of the country or um, just all kind of creative resources and people that are, you know, excited about doing things out of the box. And in Louisiana, I, you know, I did a couple of internships there for Jerry Bremerman. She's the Grand Dame. She's still working at 92. But um, there's no design center, and it just felt a little limiting. It was, you know, beautiful to have the antique stores and um, all of the, you know, the historical places to be inspired by. But to do really diverse projects, the opportunity wasn't there, for me at least. So, And, and I think that's interesting. Now, here's a question for you. Do you think that were this, excuse me, were this 15 years ago with the internet and all the resources that you have available at your fingertips, that might be different? Might be, but I still think that the audience there, it's, um, although it is creative in some senses, the, you know, most of the homes are historic properties and it just lends itself towards a certain kind of style. Um, you know, you're not going to see a, a Tudor house or a, a cliffside property or, um, you know, sometimes contemporary work, but it really is, is limiting. Most of my projects out here have been drastically different. Um, so I've really enjoyed the just the switch between one project to another having to really stretch my brain so curious curious you had a choice you could head west or you could go to new york Mm why did you choose la it was the safe choice (laughs) even though it is still very far away from home um new york felt um new york felt very kind of too fast-paced okay, and uh, too concrete. I like to spread out and um, have the ocean and all of the things that Southern Californians love about this area. So um, that was really the draw, the lifestyle and 
just such creative career opportunities. Yeah, no, I totally see that. And it's interesting, too, because <clears throat> people have been coming to L.A. to reinvent themselves forever. Mm -hmm. This is where creatives go to spread their wings and try new things. And so when you came out here, how did was it to be a designer? And, and how did you get started? Yes. <laughs> I have known since probably I could talk that I wanted to be an interior designer. Um, I knew before that that I was an artist, but... Um, Were you? Yes. I was just always painting and, you know, getting into all kind of mediums with my fingers. and Okay. And, you know, soon enough I painted my room and was rearranging furniture and... Um, but... I always knew, and so I had a very calculated life. I um, researched the best colleges to go to for design in the southern part of the United States. I didn't want to go that far from home. Um, so I picked Georgia, and they have a really wonderful school. And if I hadn't left then, I don't think I would have ever gotten out of Louisiana. So uh, okay. Then I, um, I really said, this is, this is the time for me. And I came out here and I knew not a soul, just the same as when I went to Georgia, didn't know anybody. So it is these kind of, this pattern of recreation, even though I'm still in love with where I came from and love to pay homage in any way I can to it. So, um, it's it's this great kind of combination. I wouldn't say it's a separate life, but um, yeah, I've really enjoyed my time here. I haven't looked back. <laughs> I think what's interesting is when you you didn't you didn't take the traditional path where you come out, hang a shingle, and make all your own mistakes. Or may, maybe mm -hmm. you did prior to that, but <laughs> you you got you worked in some some pretty significant offices. You worked with Timothy Corrigan. Mm-hmm who I think, I, I, I love Tim. Tim's been on the podcast, loved my conversation with him. Mm -hmm. The thing that's really cool about Tim is this is a second life for him. You know, his, his first, his first yeah. world was in, was in advertising mm -hmm. and running an agency mm -hmm. and having this unique sales proposition uh -huh. idea of what, it, what is it that makes you special? What is it that allows you to be different and to stand out. And he took that experience mm -hmm. and when he started his, his design business, he knew what he wanted to do. And then someone else who you worked with, incredibly talented, is mm -hmm. Michael Berman. Yeah. Michael's awesome. He's so cool. And <laughs> I, I love, one of the things I love most about, like with, with Tim and Timothy Corrigan and his brand is just this mm -hmm. opulence and luxury. Mm -hmm. With Michael, He's just, he's fun and fearless. Mm -hmm. I, I saw what he did this year. I actually uh, spoke to him in Palm Springs with the Christopher Kennedy uh, mm -hmm. Design House at Modernism Week. And, you know, he, he put a huge porthole window between the, the master and the master bath mm -hmm. that could open and close. It was to use the outside light. It was just mm -hmm. amazing what he did. Tell me, talk to me about the experience working with individuals who I consider masters of the craft. Mm -hmm. What's it like working for them and what did you what did you gain from that experience? I went to work for Michael right after I got to LA and he really is the true definition of a mentor and just 
taking me under his wing and making sure I have enough freedom and um, really opening my eyes to the possibilities. We worked on this amazing project in the Carmel Valley and it took several years, probably the length of my time there. Um, and it was a large enough project to where we would have to divide and conquer on different things in the house. Like I was in charge of lighting and hardware and the other team had window treatments and different sorts of things. So I was able to, I just never been in that position before where he's, you know, saying, whatever you bring to the table, I'll, I'll look at, I will never shut you down. And so I really gained so much confidence there and just had that steady backbone for me um, to really, um, you know, I was involved in his furniture line in um, some of my time there and drafting. And, you know, I really got to be in all parts of the puzzle of each project. And um, so from Michael, I would say, I just really gained my confidence and creativity and um, really refined my sense of style. I had, you know, just come from Louisiana where I'd been exposed to heavy antiques and, you know, the layered look and uh, it really, Michael really cleaned me up. <laughs> um, so Michael really teed me up for my next step, which is uh, when I really wanted to travel and um, do more of those size projects like we worked on. So that's when I went to um, Tim. It kind of just sat in my lap, um, the opportunity. And I said, I want to travel. And I am just, I'm so ready for the next step. And he, in my interview, I'll never forget, he said, do you have a current passport? And I just thought I'd won the lottery. And, you know, I would go to Doha for 48 hours and spend, you know, every second of that trip picking paint samples or, you know, just really um, capitalizing on my time there. So from Tim, I, goodness, I learned how to keep so many balls in the air at one time <laughs> and keep clients happy and really add, a, he taught me how to add a special touch to everything I do, every design. You know, it's not just a table, Genevieve, it's the finish on the table and how it, how it was, you know, fringe polish, it takes three weeks to cure before it gets on a container to go to the Middle East. You know, does it have an inlay somewhere? What does that inlay mean? So um, from him, I really learned how to take my global experience and apply it to the cultures of the people that I'm working with. Um, and that was really just kind of the icing on the cake for, I knew I was ready to start my business. I had been involved in a lot of business aspects of his office, um, training employees, rewriting procedures and budgets. And um, so I just, I felt like I was ready and he confirmed that for sure, so. So I feel like we learn a lot 
not from our victories, but from our defeats. You don't learn a lot from a win. It's like, yay, I won, it's great. You know, <laughs> it, to put it in sports analogies. Um, but when you lose, that's when you, you learn true lessons. Mm-hmm. And I think it's interesting, something that you said was that they, they gave you, especially with Michael, is they, he gave you an opportunity to really go out and spread your wings and try things and he'll look at everything you do. Can you remember a time though where something you put together was just like, oh, that's not gonna happen. <laughs> that's not gonna work. And, and how, how do those experiences, how do those change you as a designer, as a mentor yourself, now that you've got your own firm at the level that you do? Gosh, you said you wouldn't stump me. Did I, did I, did I stump you? <laughs> Not that I'm saying that, you know, everything I've brought to the table has been but perfect. There, but there's never, been, there's never been a catastrophic, like, oh no. Which is good. Gosh, I mean, I'm sure there were, but nothing that, you know, I can't go to sleep over to, the, you know, like I'm losing well, sleep over. <laughs> no, and, it, and it's, it's interesting because, you know, one of the things, what we're talking about here is, is mm-hmm. mentorship. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was mentioning to you before that listening to Bunny Williams talk about her experience at Parrish Hadley, and one of the things that she said was how Sister Parrish had this fondness for conflict and chaos. And I was thinking, you know, as a creative myself, I would hate to work in that environment. I've worked in that environment. That wouldn't work for me. Mm-hmm. I view someone like, you know, people like Michael Berman or Tim Corrigan, because I've spoken with both of them. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're true gentlemen, you know. And, they are. And the, when you're having that conversation in a creative construct, it's not always perfect. Mm-hmm. And people don't always agree about mm-hmm. things. And people don't have the same view mm-hmm. of color or idea. Mm-hmm. So I, I just find it interesting how we learn from different styles. And I was curious if, if their styles, how those styles affected you. Well, uh, greatly affected me. Um, like I said, when I came to L.A., um, you know, just fresh out of college, I... I really needed to refine my sense of style and Michael was there to do that. He he really liked to pay homage to his past. He came from Detroit and loves like all of the lines of cars and he really incorporated that quite well into his furniture line and um, so he he taught me refinement and then Tim taught me all the layers mm. to put on top of it okay so, I can see that I can see that mm-hmm and when I when I went to Tim's I said you know he uses a lot of trims and um, which I grew an appreciation for of course but I hadn't the slightest of clue what the difference between a bouillon and a tassel and a brush fringe so um, Yes, he taught me the the very, you know, tiniest detail make the biggest difference, and it did. So now in my own career, uh, with my own business, I am, you know, just straddling that line constantly of uh, making sure it's not too much and not too little. So really trying to hit that perfect... Um, just the perfect comfort level for my client. Yeah, and it's interesting too because in in looking at your work, I can see similarities, not necessarily in the in the design itself, 
but in looking at your work, and very similar when I when I look at when I look at Michael's work or when I look at Timothy's work, one of the things that I think you do really well is you layer, and you 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 apply where needed. And you, I can tell when looking at your work that there's a ton of edit that goes into it. You know, <laughs> and the the key is not being able to see where the edits took place, mm-hmm. right? That's where yes. the, that's where the magic lies. Yes, and I think I think your work demonstrates that wonderfully. Thank you. A couple of the projects. Here's the other thing: in looking at a lot of the projects that you've worked on, mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting that, and, and I wonder if is it because of of the 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 experience that you've had and how you got to where you are? You don't have a style. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not asking. I'm kind of telling. I, you don't have a, you don't it's have, true, yeah. you don't have a signature style. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen Southern. I've seen modern. I've seen traditional. I see a lot of different styles and elements in your work, and within those, I also see you blending in some cases. Mm-hmm. Not overly so. Mm-hmm. Again, it goes back to the edit, right? And I'm, and I'm just curious your thought on style because. When I when I when I talk to creatives, often oftentimes, mm-hmm. the, a big question that they get. So, what's your style? Uh-huh. And it's almost it's almost insulting, right? Yeah. You, you, you don't you don't want to be insulted by it, but it's like, it's like what do you mean? Like I can only uh-huh. do one thing. Uh-huh. I don't have a style. Mm-hmm. I, I I go where where the work directs me. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious your philosophy on that. Yes, I have always said I'm kind of a chameleon to design. And with my experience, global experience with these two wonderful designers, I have been able to switch back and forth from, you know, a very contemporary home with, uh, you know, this 1920s ceiling and just the wildest atmospheres (laughs) you can probably imagine. When I started the podcast, I had come from a previous career in production and broadcast and I spent so much time in studios I didn't want to be in studios anymore studios are there's no life they're Mm -hmm. dead there's all the noise is gone it it sucks the noise out of it and so I I wanted to go out and be especially with architecture and design I wanted to be in the field I do a lot of job sites where Mm -hmm. you know you can hear the nail guns in the back you can hear all kinds of stuff going on and I love that Mm -hmm. but occasionally you have to stop for conversations because this, this is a real world. You know, mm-hmm. this is this and being on the job site, we were talking about um, one of one of your clients and going around and traveling, looking for materials. Do you like that part of it? Yes, it was a crazy request that she had. And, you know, it was going. So we went to Round Top, Texas. You may know about it being from Dallas or yeah. having yeah. spent time there. Um it's in the middle of nowhere, and um, she wanted to go for the full experience. It's always been on my list, her list too. So we decided to check it off together. So we. What's, what's there? What was so Round Top is this kind? It's become an international sensation with um, antique dealers that go oh. shop all over Europe and bring their finds back. Some only show in Round Top, and they have two shows a year, and it's really amazing pieces you know if you were looking to build a house from from the ground up with a reclaimed kind of atmosphere that's exactly where you need to go is it a show um or is it a city it's a city population of 90 oh my gosh wow where is it 
It's in the middle of Austin and Dallas. And it, you were driving to it, and there's cows mooing at you. And it's in the middle of nowhere. Um, like around Waco-ish? I can't tell you if okay, it is I'm, around I'm, Waco. I'm totally, looking, I'm totally <laughs> looking this up. This is awesome. It is awesome. Um, it's really a phenomenon. And it was created back in the 50s by this lady. And she uh, began like this... Uh, with all of these Houston housewives wanting to bring people out to this part of the country. So she kind of set up this show, if you call it. It's really, you know, you drive down this two-lane highway, and on both sides there's tents. You know, some are very low-end where you just pick through junk, and then others are beautiful. Like one is the most popular one is called Marburger, and that's for the higher end area presentations of pieces. And um, it is vendors that specifically bring treasures from Europe to, these, to this event. What time of year? Um, so they have a fall show, which we're going back in October and in April. The spring show is the one that's always been going, and they keep adding a fall and maybe a winter soon. Oh, that is so cool. I'm totally yes. checking that out. <laughs> Last time in Texas, um, I actually got to go for the first time down to Marfa. Mm, yes. I, I love I love Marfa. I've driven through it on Isn't my it? way out to L.A. <laughs> Most people don't stop. Most people are just like, okay, here's yeah. Marfa. There it is. Yeah. There's, okay. But, but I, I love it, and I love being able to find the find, there's something about the find. It's the find, yes. And a lot of things. We had a long list going there. And uh, a lot of the things we found weren't even on our list. But it was just getting excited, excited about um, finding a new home for these pieces. And, you know, the bar downstairs that she didn't know she wanted to rip out, she found a piece. And she was like, I'm finally going to do it. Here we go. <laughs> That is so great. Well, and speaking of that, wanted to talk to you about some of the projects that you've worked on. And, you know, they're just so diverse. Mm -hmm. um, wanted to start with um, Lincoln Park Brownstone. So that was a project in Chicago, which I collaborated with Tim Corrigan. Yeah. And um, that was my first project with him when I started. And it was a three-month turnaround and it was a full gut of the interior. It was a beautiful brownstone. Um, and I just worked day and night to get, you know, I had to prove myself that was my chance. So um, we were lucky enough to work with a longtime friend of his, and she has a beautiful art collection. And so um, art always you know we use that as our canvas to inspire us for colors and antiques and the the client she's very sophisticated and she uh, she knows quality and appreciates all of the efforts that go into it so it was really fun making it um, just enriching it with we brought in fireplaces from France and one arrived in a million pieces and you have to figure out how to put that back together. <laughs> so, so you have to like puzzles. Yes. <laughs> yes, on a, you know, in a time frame. But you you just get it done. Yeah. I had never had a project in Chicago before and you just figure it out. You know, when you're on a mission, you want this project to turn out beautifully and it 
it ended up selling like a week later. Really? Yes. <laughs> so with the art or without? Without. Well, I'm curious. So something you mentioned is yeah. like designing for collections. I love that, of which, you know, wine, art, mm -hmm. ceramics. When you design around a collection, doesn't the collection become sort of part of the work? It does kind of take on the same aura, yes. And I think that is, you have to start a project with something. I typically, you know, dive into my client's heritage. Where are you guys from? Where are your ancestors? You know, I always like to tie in that part of their lives to their home because no matter who they are, if they don't remember their grandparents, it's always special to people, I find, uh, to bring that out in some way because it just it makes you who you are. It's how you dress, how you talk, how you your ethics and your values. So I think it's important to incorporate that into your surroundings. From there to the Canyon Modernist. Okay, so I I love that project. <laughs> it's so clean. It was a fun one. Yes. Was it fun? Yes. Do you did you enjoy working in that? It's almost like a color palette, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, but not necessarily just the color, but did you like working in that style? Yes, I was a little bit um, afraid uh, at first of how much color they wanted. And, you know, do we paint the walls lavender? <laughs> but it was Michael, again, that reminded me that you know, if it doesn't work, you can paint it beige or, you know, any other color. So it's, it's not a mistake. It's, it's fun creating and learning. Okay. That didn't work in that light, but the lavender totally worked. It was in the master bedroom. <laughs> it's so, it's so funny you say that because when I, when I think of Michael Berman and his mm. work, he is not afraid of color. Mm -mm. Color, <laughs> color does not scare that man. Mm -mm. Um, and it's interesting because back to Tim, layering. And this, this elegant process of layering things over and recognizing when you've hit that, mm -hmm. when, it's, when it's done, and then going back and saying, you know what, maybe if I take this element out, uh -huh. then I got it. Mm -hmm. But with this, the color must have been, was it a little scary, but fun too? Yes, very fun. And again, that is where I really started to gain my confidence and say, okay it's it's okay to use this loud color you know in the middle of the living room or uh, so that really established you know just a a standard for me kind of set the bar <laughs> southern hospitality because of your roots were you comfortable were you more comfortable in in this particular style just because of your roots. Yes. Yes, I was. Um, it's actually a project that I'm going back in a few weeks to, to find a new home for these clients. And so they've kind of want to downsize now. They're going into, you know, four, fourth quarter of their life. Okay. And um, yes, I was really comfortable in the style. And um, they had a lot of pieces from um, their parents that had been passed down so I was really fortunate to work with those pieces and 
just design around them and um, make sure that it wasn't a heavy look because they are, um, you know, mahogany pieces for the most part, but really just creating a sense of light around them and softness. And we did a few really special peach pieces, um, one of which in the dining room was a, they didn't really want a rug and I wanted to kind of make the, the space feel sleek uh, because they had a big mahogany table and this fancy buffet. So I commissioned an artist to do, um, to do a canvas and paint it with, um, we had these plume feathers in the corners and that was reminiscent of uh, my client's father when he was uh, king of Mardi Gras in the 70s. And you know, the Marie Antoinette plume feathers, if you can picture those. And just, um, that was a very special touch to the room. There were many others, but um, it was really fun working with them, yes. When you have a when you have a client like that mm -hmm. that you're helping them find a new place, do you start with their current place or like with them in particular? Is it something now we want something totally different? No, they'll probably want something just a smaller version of what they have. Okay, I really want to keep these special pieces that we created for them, and I think we can we can cut some things down and um, just do it in a, a pared down way. So I think, um, I think we'll be able to find something in a couple of weeks for them. Oh, yes. That's great. And then Hope Ranch. Yeah, so that was um, my first client on my own. And um, she is a lovely woman and very, um, very experienced with designers. She had worked with uh, Jock Sewell. He built her house back in the 90s. He's a kind of an acclaimed architect in the area. And um, so she really understood quality. And so it was, it was a pleasure to show her very um, original designs. I did a lot of sketching for pieces and show her exactly how I arrived at my designs. And um, she always, um, she was very thoughtful about her reactions to things. And uh, I just really enjoyed hearing her feedback of each piece. It was like a critique in a way. So um, one of the, the most beautiful contributions, I think, to her house was this uh, cabinet I made for her master bedroom. And um, before I started my company, I traveled for about two months on my own around Europe. And I took probably 20,000 photos, just knowing that I would use these in some way to be inspired for a piece of furniture or architecture of a future project. So um, I visited a palace in Portugal, in Pina. It's a very small town. And um, the parquetry floor pattern just really took me. And um, I ended up being inspired by that to quilt this suede to clad this TV cabinet at the foot of their bed. Um, and it looked like a piece of furniture, not just a box in the middle of the room for the TV. Um, it was very special. And every time I go over there, she is just in love with it and she touches it. And <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. That is the greatest. Yes. 
and I continue to do work for her because we just we work um, very symbiotically and um, she likes that I'm younger and fresher I can bring that to the table but I also have the experience to really elevate her surroundings totally shifting gears on you for a second yeah talking about the business and the business of design mm -hmm. in the last couple of years it's become so important for designers to sort of get on top of the business side of it because it's not as easy as it used to be it's not easy to, to spec resources it's not easy to mm -hmm. find new clients it's not easy especially like with social media mm -hmm. so you're every creative is a we were talking about this before every creative is now a publisher in their own right if you're on social media you're a publisher mm-hmm how do you how do you handle the marketing of the firm how do you find new clients these days how do you do that side of the business and from the social media where you're pushing your content out where you're you're trying to promote the work that you do what you can do and what you can't do mm -hmm. how do you how do you approach that when i started my business i just like my whole life wanted it to be calculated planned out I needed my website, I needed my brand, my logo, my colors. I wanted it all set up so I could really understand what I'm going to talk about when I'm finally ready to talk. Um, so establishing, establishing that first and foremost was really important for me. And the efforts I have done, I have tried so many avenues because it is it's um, it's hard to stay on track when you first start because there are so many opportunities to market yourself and um, made some mistakes, of course. But certainly, I always looked back and said, you know what, I should have followed my gut. I have enough experience in this world to know what's, what's good and what's not. So I have um, really made great efforts to go to different events and seminars and educate myself and um, go to events that are intimate enough to have a quality conversation. This goes back to our mention earlier about I would rather have one great conversation with somebody at an event than, you know, 20 just quick fleeting conversations because it is about creating relationships for me and um, I guess it's how I grew up you know um, work ethics and really endearing people and um, if somebody if you don't click with somebody that's okay you know learning that that's okay um, has been a growing pain a little bit but um, yes I find that making sure that the relationships I do make are nurtured and um, that's just the most important part because you want to do business with people you enjoy and that you think have great values and have a good cause so from a design and architecture industry media standpoint the magazines it used to be our industry used to be all about the the magazines mm -hmm. you know it was like because I'm a tactile person I love finding them, picking them up, looking at the pictures, mm -hmm. touching the paper, right? Mm -hmm. I, I feel like it's harder and harder to find more work in the magazines these days. Are, do you still find yourself using 
the magazines to sort of as a as a judge of what's happening in the industry? Honestly, no. <laughs> I get tons of magazines. Some I read, they stack up their little side table in my living room, you know. <laughs> so I use them more for resources. I don't sometimes I'm looking for a paint color and um you know, just hearing what people's go-tos are are interesting, but some magazines really know how to do it. I really have an affinity for Veranda and Melio. I'm Southern. <laughs> so I feel like they have really um, been able to put out some really beautiful projects. Other magazines... You know, I just like to tend towards the ones I like. So I, um, not all magazines are, you know, rain and tell the world what's going on. So I think that's really goes back to why uh, we exist. You know, clients need to reach out and not necessarily look at a magazine and say, this is what I'm going to make my house into. You really have to pay attention to who you are and um, seek that out with a professional. Absolutely agree. What are you crushing on these days? What are you seeing? It can be it can be colors, it can be color palette, it can be furniture, it can be styles, it can be... What are you seeing that you're just, that you're really crushing on these days? Um, I am really seeing, and something that I noticed in Round Top, but um, really interesting wood finishes. I've always loved to take a traditional silhouette and do a very modern finish on it or vice versa, you know, a very modern table and putting like a, um, a Biedermeier finish on it. Um, but I came across this one piece and it was this bleached eucalyptus on this really, um, I think it was like a 17th century secretary and it was just stunning and it made it very modernized like it it just didn't feel the same as if it were in a you know dark finish so I'm really uh, intrigued by the wood finishes that are available now isn't that neat yeah I guess they've always been available <laughs> well but it's just that um, people are starting to use them and really explore that you know it doesn't have to be oak or walnut everywhere it doesn't have to be oak or walnut everywhere <laughs> it really doesn't no, no and it I, could be wenge yeah. or yeah yeah but i think to, you, to, to your point what's also interesting and i think that there's a there's a more <clears throat> what's the word i'm looking for it's it's more widely acceptable now you know high low is more mm -hmm. acceptable now you know hippie chic mm -hmm. is or whatever slash chic Mm -hmm. you want to call it mm -hmm. right um you know california style or there's memphis style i think there's more people seem to be looking for new ideas mm -hmm. and i think that's where it gets interesting is when you can take a, a traditional piece or an or an antique and you're you're not fearful about taking the value away from the piece because it has to look original and just trying something new right there's something to that yeah i i have always much preferred, um, you know, adapting an ant elements of antiques into new pieces than try, uh, you know, I don't like to 
I don't copy people's work and I feel like that is the best way to, for me to express um, again the homeowner's style and really um, make sure their house doesn't look like a transported showroom or like their neighbor's house isn't at the end of the day isn't that the key Yes. To, to make sure it, it's it's experiential, mm -hmm. it's it's an experience. You're creating a space that is designed to enhance the enjoyment of their. It's it's about the experience. Mm -hmm. It's not designed to look like a showroom. Mm -hmm. I think that's so true. Right. Yeah. Yes. This is great. Yes. Thanks Thank you, the, Josh. Thanks for the time. <laughs> that was my conversation with designer Genevieve Truesdale. Make sure you join us for that live keynote at the West Edge Design Fair to talk more about mentorship and design with, uh, with Timothy Corrigan and Michael Berman. I love sharing every episode with you, which is why I, again, want to encourage you to subscribe to the podcast. It's really easy and it takes less than a minute. Convo by Design is on well over 20 podcast directories and more all the time. So no matter what platform you listen to, iTunes, TuneIn, or others, please find the subscribe button and give it a click. That's it. That way you get every, every episode uh, as soon as it's published. Give it a try. Thank you again for listening. And until next week, keep creating. Convo by Design is proud to be working with Vendome Furniture. Their design culture is the key to their success. It's what pushes them to consistently create new collections that give spaces a new dimension. They create dialogue between environment and form. Vendome pieces can transform the simplest space into one filled with glamour that is both unique and extraordinary. And isn't that what design is all about? Creating atmospheres where you can take hold of life and enjoy it to the fullest? Vendome products are simple and elegant, contemporary and exceptionally comfortable. Their crafted modern durable molded resin, glass, and metal designs are unique. They beg to be enjoyed. Have you seen them featured in our videos? Check out our YouTube channel and see this for yourself. You can also find them in their showrooms at the D&D Building in New York, Wynwood in Miami, and the Pacific Design Center here in Los Angeles, or online at vondam.com. <laughs>